Hey everybody, Paxton Farrar here. This is Day Players. It's a podcast about tabletop RPGs. Now, while most podcasts about Dungeons and Dragons will spend years following the same group on a single campaign, we do things a little differently. We mix up the cast, we improvise the story, and we play the whole thing in one day. This first episode is uh, a primer, sort of a tutorial for Dungeons and Dragons, 5th edition. It's meant for those of you who are interested in playing D&D or just better understanding what you're listening to. Because while the heart of D&D is collaborative storytelling, there are a lot of game elements to keep track of as well. So for those of you who might not have played before, this will explain the basics of the game. The meaning behind all those numbers people call out, how magic works, and what's up with the d20, that mysterious 20-sided die you've probably seen before. Minor spoiler alert for The Lord of the Rings, but honestly, if you're here, you're probably a fan of The Lord of the Rings already. So get ready to take a dive into D&D 5e, because you're listening to Day Players. I'm here with uh, Peter and Morgan and Tommy, the regular crew, and uh, we're going to just kind of go through how D&D works. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I guess I would say that at its heart, it's sort of, uh, it, it, it is a game, but it's a sort of theatrical experience. It's, it's collaborative storytelling. Yeah, instead of just sitting there and having everything just fly at you, like a movie or a book that you're reading, everybody around you is just throwing things in and contributing. So the the basics of it are there's one person who is the uh, the dungeon master or DM. This is the person that you know you've seen that sit at the head of the table with the screen around them and they roll dice and they essentially function as a computer and storyteller. I always like to think of it as uh, like the uh, from from uh, Dune where they have the people who serve the function of a computer. They train to serve the function of a computer. So um, they essentially fill out the universe of the campaign, and then everyone else plays a single character. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always like to talk about it in the, it's like the tavern scene. Like, if we do the tavern scene, it's like, okay, you, you, got, you guys enter a tavern. There is uh, a bar fight going on around the bar. There's some people up on the tables. Uh, it looks not super dangerous, but it's like, oh, we have a rowdy good time. What right. do you want to do? Right. And the the basis of the gameplay is the players say they want to do something, and the dungeon master tells them either that they do it, that they don't, that they can't, or makes them roll dice to see if they their attempt is good enough. Right. And the so the dice so um, Dungeons and Dragons is based on the D twenty system, which uh, I always like how Sawyer, uh, our friend, describes it, where there's it, you know, you can think of it as a mathematical model that exists to prevent the game from becoming a, uh, you know, I say I do this, or well, I say you don't. Yeah, it's the, oh, well, you can't hit me because I have force fields. And it's like, but I have force field piercing bullets. And it's like, but I have an extra force field that stops force field piercing bullets. So basically it's all based around, uh, you, you probably att- uh, speak to this better than I can, Peter, but it's, um, there's one big die called the D20. And everything flows from that. Yeah. I mean, 
It's it's really just you can use any set of dice. It's just some random chance. A d20 works great because it has 20 values and a 5% chance for each. Those are the increments. Yeah, yeah. increment of 5% each. You can use it. Other systems use d100s, but D&D is all about the d20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I if somebody was uh, wanted to do something um, that there was a chance that they could fail and that would have story implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, uh, the DM would say, uh, okay, well, uh, roll for that. And yeah. then... Usually you're rolling up against a DC, or difficulty uh, chance, I think is what it's called. Yeah, those, something like that. One of those abbreviations, you, you see the two just, letters and you never really... Just the DC. Yes. So it's just... How how hard is it to break down this door? Roll strength check DC fifteen, mm-hmm. and then and then the part where I think a lot of people get confused. I know when I first started playing, it was um, I, I got confused about this. What is that? Uh, when you roll the D twenty, uh, the thing that makes your character different is a set of numbers uh, that come from your ability scores. So if you're a big brawny you know character, you have higher strength and so what that manifests as is adding a number to whatever you roll therefore getting a higher number and a higher chance of hitting whatever the target number is so if the target number is you got to be you got to hit 15 to lift this rock and you roll a 10 but you are super strong and you have a plus five modifier on your ability score for strength you get to 15 and you lift the rock i mean really that's what what make what distinguishes characters the the you know one of the biggest things that gives them yeah yes the uh kind of the root the root of the character creation is based in the ability scores uh there are six of them which is strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom and charisma and it's really easy to think of character archetypes as someone that has good dexterity but bad intelligence or good wisdom but bad strength and all of the characters and their capabilities kind of come from just you know like in real life like if you're really fast or really strong you might lean towards doing something sport based or if you're really smart You'll probably get into, like, data analysis or, like, engineering or play chess a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, and, you know, these the, you play an archetype character usually, so it's, you know, it's the, you can't be good at everything, so you get to distribute, you know. Yeah, the, ga- the, game, the game balances it so that nobody is like, oh, well, I have perfect stats and mm-hmm. I'm the best at everything. Which is no fun, which is... It's sort of, not fun when uh, everyone's, or well, when anyone's like that. I was going to say one of the yeah, elements yeah. that also... So that system makes both very satisfying sometimes and very frustrating is that because it's also dice-based, it doesn't matter how good your plus number is, the random winds of chance could make you still fail. Mm. Which is why there's actual... Yeah. It's why there's actual drama involved. It's great, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You Just because your character is really tough or something, say you have a really high constitution, which has to do with like your physical uh, capability of, like, taking hits or, like, drinking poisons. If you roll really poorly on, like, a strong drink, then even your huge, giant character can just, like, fall right over. (laughs) And um, there's essentially... There's three kind of modes to the game. Uh, It's So combat's the one people think of a lot is like the stereotypical D&D thing. And that's the most structured because, Mm -hmm. obviously, when there's direct conflict 
uh, you, you want to have a uh, pretty solid set of rules to base that around. And it's all, D&D's also a combat-heavy mm-hmm. RPG. Yes, yeah, 75% of the book is all about combat. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, having combat, combat just looking at the rules is where... That, I, I would say that that's the the non-art portion of the game. Mm-hmm. That's the game portion of the game. Exactly. Whereas mm-hmm. talking to another person is... It doesn't need to be as balanced and as laid out because you mm-hmm. you that's the role-playing. That's the interaction. That's the, the art of building a scene and determining personalities and characteristics. Yeah. It's 75% of the rule book, but it's, you know, 30% of the playtime. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say that's kind of unique towards our playing. Mm-hmm. The great thing about D&D is that you can play it however you want. And so some groups out there just sit down and they start rolling dice for the whole three hours of the session. And if and that's your thing, that's, you know. If you like it, which, that's Which P- Peter apparently does not find as interesting based on his tone, but it like can be that. fun. <laughs> All right, so that's that's one mode. The uh, next mode is... Uh, well, I was talking about interacting with other uh, characters and stuff, and that is the like investigation, the social aspect of the mm-hmm. game, which is the real improv portion. Mm-hmm. That's where... Uh, we go into depth about talking to a character about what their problem is or what they want us to do for them or at the the, the real kind of what you're really going for the art piece where you're showing your character's motivations mm, well, yeah. I do not believe you are strong enough for these potions exactly a classic example <laughs> yes and in this so in this mode the uh, so the, the the players all play their own character and then the DM plays what are called uh, NPCs or non-player characters. So yes. everybody else in the world is played by the DM. It's actually for me the most. It's the most difficult thing about it. For for most people, uh, being the DM or the game master of any kind is quite difficult, just because you have to think on your feet a lot and you have to have a lot of characters. The flip side of that, though, is that I think the coolest thing about one of the most powerful things about D and D is. NPCs and you know world elements that you can go into because it's not limited by the um, because it's it's not a video game right like video mm-hmm. games are I didn't understand this until I started playing Dungeons and Dragons video games are both a direct copy of and a a, a terrible facsimile <laughs> of true. Dungeons and Dragons. Like, they are just a shadow of what it is because... Sadly, very true. It, even the most immersive, you know, uh, procedurally generated or, you know, finely crafted, mm-hmm. you know, a Skyrim game or anything, you you can't do a very easy thing to do in D&D where you just, like, you meet a character in a bar, a character that the D&D did not think of, did not plan, and they just go, and, and you start talking to them, and then they could, the, the, the DM could have that character say, hey, you want to come over to my house? And then they could be in this character's house. And then that character could travel with them across the lands. Yeah, none of it was planned. None of it was set in stone or anything, yes. And it's totally unlimited, because you're, you're it, it plays... What I love about uh, tabletop RPGs is they play to the strengths of humans' brains. You know, they play mm-hmm. to our strength that we can just create something, make mm-hmm. something up, and roll with it. Um, and our strength of doing simple math. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not my strength. <laughs> okay, so uh, so that's the second mode, and the third mode is uh, the third mode is I think 
maybe one of my favorite parts of the game, which is the exploration part. It's the the going into a dungeon and you know solving puzzles and like making skill checks and trying to survive out in the wilderness and kind of really everybody gets to show their capabilities. It's like uh, you make a chill check, uh, you make a skill check to run and jump. You want to like swing on a chandelier. You want to, uh, yeah, like try to solve like a riddle or try to persuade someone to like let you through. It's all, it's all of the actual like interaction through it's like the perfect combination of the dice and the role playing Mm -hmm. you think of cool ways to do things and then you find out if you can actually get through them as a dm it's my most exciting part because usually i think of cool things and this is how you get to tell it to the player they uh find your dungeon hidden in the mists and they get to discover why the mist is there how did it get there why is this castle floating etc etc it's the the real fantasy fictional part of Mm -hmm. it yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so that's sort of the big happy overviews. Um, just to get into a couple of the nitty gritties, so that people aren't confused by the numbers. So a lot of a lot of uh, lingo. A lot of lingo. So people will call out numbers. Usually, it's for the when they make a roll, it's calling out of twenty. Um, a one automatically fails no matter what, and a twenty automatically succeeds no matter what. You know, the, the good example of this is for those of you who know Lord of the Rings, it's like, oh, well, how could a hobbit kill a ring wraith? Well, you just get real lucky sometimes. You got real lucky, rolled a 20. Yeah. So that's the equivalent. That's yeah. the equivalent. So that's a f- that, that's the narrative where the narrative component comes in to that, you know, to rolls. So a 20, uh, also, when you hit 20 and it's an attack roll, you do twice as much damage. So that's something people will say, oh, that's a critical hit or mm-hmm. crit or nat 20 for natural 20 because you can go over 20. If you hear a number over 20, that's because after the character adds their modifiers based on their ability scores, that little plus number, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes a minus, usually a plus, then that can go over 20. That means they just rolled high and then they have a high modifier. Um, but everything's out of 20. So if you hear people calling numbers, usually they will add their number afterwards. So it's like they roll a 10, they add a 5, they'll call out a 15. Uh, and then the DM will say whether that hit the target. For instance, if the armor of uh, an enemy is 15 and they roll they roll 5, or sorry, they roll 10 and add 5, they get 15, they make it. So there are uh, this thing called advantage and disadvantage, which is a very flexible uh uh, feature, yeah. This so advantage and disadvantage is the, I I don't know. Uh, that's the it's the iconic thing of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's it's a solution to the problem that they had in three point five and fourth edition, where mm-hmm. you would start pile piling all the these bonuses, right? Yeah, modifiers, have, bonuses. I have the higher ground. I'm flanking you. I'm behind cover. Behind cover. I have all these things. You're doing yeah. all this comp, like you're adding all these numbers. It made it so hard. Mm-hmm. And they just decided to go, nope, you either have the advantage or you or have the, the disadvantage. disadvantage. Or neutral, which happens yeah. frequently. And so with advantage and disadvantage, what happens is you roll two D20s, and if you have advantage, you take the higher number, and if you have disadvantage, you take the lower number. So yes. essentially, it just weighs your chances either better or worse yeah. so you can it, very, it very clearly shows like if you try to do some crazy trick shot 
and you fail because one of the dies was so much lower, then you're like, ah, well, I probably wasn't going to get that anyway because that's so ludicrous. Whereas if you are, like, shooting fish in a barrel, you would have advantage just because it's so simple, it's so easy, you'd be... They're trapped and helpless. They're trapped and helpless. So it would be hard not to succeed. So that's why you get, essentially, like, that extra mm-hmm. that extra chance. Right. So anytime you hear that called out, you know, you get advantage, you have disadvantage, that is means... The character is rolling mm-hmm. two dice, and they're taking either the better or worse option out yeah. of that. Frequent, frequent mechanic of the entire system. Yeah. Uh, it's also, as a DM, it's a really easy thing to just, when you're like, oh, what's, uh, I'll j- disadvantage, advantage. <laughs> yes. You know, the, you know, Speeds up the game, you're fighting, which is its intent. Yeah. yeah, you're fighting in a hard situation, you know, I'm going to give you disadvantage. Um, yeah, then the other thing is, uh, so in combat, which is, again, the most rule-based and complicated of mm-hmm. the three modes... Uh, things are done in turns. And so on each... Do you want to go... You guys know this a little bit better than me. So yeah, it's like, it's, uh, yes. it's the kind of thing that was brought in from, like, war games with miniatures and board games. Mm-hmm. So it's just the way you do anything on a on a tabletop with pieces and a map. And, you know, you measure the distance... In, you go in turns so that everyone doesn't have their hands in the pie. Yeah. You you, you uh, figure out the order that you're going in based on everybody rolls for initiative, it's called. So yes. you roll a die, and then you, uh, whoever rolls highest after they add some modifiers, mm-hmm. they go first. Yeah, very straightforward. And then <laughs> once the turn order is set, you just go around in a, in a loop until either the DM... Well, no. you go around into the loop until the DM decides the combat's over. Yeah. Whether one side is left... Or been killed, or they decided to stop fighting, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> usually not. Okay, and there's three things usually per turn that you get to do. Right, yeah, yes. There is your main action, and this is uh, your standard. standard action. Yeah, this is just you attack, yeah, you cast a spell. Most of what you're going to be doing is going to be this standard action. You have your move action, which is just how far you move. Uh, each character or uh, has a move speed of some kind. Some have more than one type of move speed, like 30 feet uh, moving or 30 feet flying, 30 feet climbing. And this is just flying. And this is just on a board that we, we, yeah. we draw things out to make it easier, but it's um, the, the movement speed is just how many squares you get to move. It's mm-hmm. like any board game. Yeah, yep. it's like it's much like a board game. Uh, almost every group of uh, D&D kind of works with a little map that you roll out on the table and it's one inch squares that are all just in a big grid and each square is five feet. Yeah. So most people have six or 30 feet of movement. You divide that by five, you get move six squares. Yep. Then you have one more action, which is the bonus action. This represents very small, quick timed things, but you only have one of them. Some spells use a bonus action. Attacking with your offhand uses a bonus action and many other miscellaneous things. There is one other action, but it does not take uh, place during your turn. It is your reaction. This is uh, when someone is doing something on their turn and you have an opportunity to do something. Um, The most common one would be an attack of opportunity. You are next to someone. They're walking away from you. You get to hit them as they run away, Mm -hmm. and that will use up your reaction. Yeah, that's a a big part of how the game keeps... A uh, you know it keeps enemies and players from engaging in a fight. You know, you run in, hit, and then you back up, mm-hmm. and then they can't get to you. 
Because if you run up to somebody and you're you're engaged with them, you're fighting, and you just turn and run away, they get a hit on you, just a free one, and that's on their reaction. Yes. So that is, um, those are the three things you get to do every turn, and it can it can sort of sound kind of complicated sometimes, but you know it's 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 going to be one of those three things. The thing I like to think of with combat is that it's sort of like an Avengers movie, because each round of combat takes. About six seconds. That's what it says in the. Uh, no, it's uh, that's what it says yeah, in the book, right? E- each, yeah. Each person takes about six seconds, but it's hard to. It's hard to make everything work the way it would realistically in the game. So you kind of have to imagine it all taking place at the same time, mm-hmm. with certain people just kind of moving slightly faster than others. But it's all, <laughs> like in the Avengers. It's, yeah. It's just a big like splattering of lasers and swords and <laughs> and people yeah. do cool and people do like like each person gets their like moment to do a cool cinematic thing exactly it's like that in the game yes one person will knock over an enemy and then the other person will jump on top of them or somebody will get thrown to like a switch somewhere and then on their turn they'll pull the switch it's all you know yeah people interact with each other interact with the enemies and it's all big and fun and and the last thing I wanted to just briefly mention, and this is the most complicated part of the game, so we're not going to go very far into it, but spellcasting and magic. So <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess it's pretty complicated. Open up a whole wheelhouse. Basically, you have ammunition. There's think of I like to think of it as if we can, you know, if we can use a uh, a, a caliber analogy. So you have different levels of spells, right? Yes. And the spells, um, basically, to use one of them, you have to expend a spell slot, it's called. Right, and that's essentially, like, the ammunition. The slots are how many... The slots are how many times you can fire off a spell. And it can be any spell of the spells you know. So a spell slot works for any spell of that level. Mm-hmm. So there are level one spells, you need level one spell slots for that. There are level two spells... You need level two spell slots for that. You can think of it like a caliber. If you have a bigger barrel on a level two spell, you can put a level one spell in it. And right. it actually amps up. It like supercharges the level one spell. But basically it's like you have these charges. Yeah, and it's uh, the way the spells are kind of built around is uh, like a pyramid. So every character will know a lot of lower level spells and then fewer medium level spells and then only a couple high level spells. Right. And that's just because if you only had a bunch of high-level spells, then that would be really hard to balance, and then you would seem so much more powerful than everyone else. But instead, you have those couple spells that allow you to, every once in a while, really stand out. And another thing that's uh, that's important about spellcasters is, for the most part, there's like I said, it's very complicated. Um, for the most part, spellcasters have a certain number of spell slots per day. So, like a wizard, you can be raining fire and you know, th- you know, teleporting people and stuff. But once you are out of spell slots, you are out for the day. And yes. so, there's always this sort of niggling, like, hey, do I want to use this spell slot? Because you have the limited ammo. Whereas the melee classes, barbarians, <laughs> fighters, you know, rogues, they just all day, all night, stab, smash, right. hit. And, and part, part of the game is that resource management. So even nowadays, in 5th edition, even these classes, like barbarians, which used to just kind of swing their sword, you know, they can only go into a rage 
a couple times a day, and they get those bonuses for a certain period of time. So it, it works like a spell, but it's something that's very flavorful and tied to the class. Right. And it's not... It, and in that case, the difference is the rage is a thing you can just do a certain amount, number of times per day. A spell slot is... You can do any of your spells. You can do one spell over and over again with the same slot. You can do a different spell with each slot. Right. You have a sort of mix and match for the spells. But um, Worth noting that there is a class of spell below level one that you can also do all day long. Oh. Cantrips. Cantrips. Yeah. You can cast those forever, and those are just small little dinky things. But there's damage ones, and they have range and stuff. So Yeah, they're, they're flavored as spells that are so simple... And kind of so weak that uh, any spellcaster has a few of them memorized and they can just whip them out whenever they want, yeah. all day. Yep. There used to be a time when there were slots for those ones, too. That's oh, right. Oh, darker, we don't go back to that. Darker days. <laughs> yes. All right, well, was, there, was there anything else for you to tell a newbie that was getting ready to, to play or observe a, uh, a Dungeons & Dragons I mean, the, the, the best thing I would say is just uh, the hardest thing is also the best thing, which is trying to balance... The different types of play uh you don't want to be in combat for six hours that will that will drain you mentally and physically that's like an extra complicated risk yes but also if you're just walking around and talking to people for hours and hours then you don't really get to use a lot of what your character is built for mm-hmm. every every character is built to be an adventurer and go and do something and be able to fight and defend for themselves and defend other people so you have to be able to balance the exploration, the combat, the investigation, all those things. I would say, to add on, as an additional thing, that D&D is a game about communication, mm-hmm. and that it is totally okay to just look at your DM in the face and say, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't understand what we're supposed to do. Can you clarify a bit more? Yes. This is, this yeah. is a game where you're trying to reach the same point as another person, but you can't read their mind. So there's a lot of questions that are asked. Yeah. I also want to mention in there that uh, dispel the, I think, pretty common misconception that the it's the players versus the DM. Right. It's yes. not. It's the, not. The DM is trying to give the players, or in this case the audience, a good time. So mm-hmm. there will be things where they, they are trying to make every fight exciting, but challenging, but they don't lose. Yeah, because if you die, it's over. It's no fun. And yeah. unlike unlike video games, you know, where like you you have the thing like I'm I'm high level, and they'll smash these these little imps mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, it's just so funny how much more powerful I am. That's not really fun in D and D either. Yes, D and D has the kind of. Uh which modern games have actually started to take on, like games like Dark Souls and Hollow Knight, like these games that have permanency to them. Mm-hmm. If you drop something, it's gone forever because you left it behind. If you kill a certain character, they're gone forever because you killed them. You can't just go back in time or restart a save or you know mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. D&D is trying to be a full living breathing world with consequences right and that what's really cool about that is people and things in it become uh significant just because you know you make them that way because it's not a real it's not a real thing right obviously like, like i yeah. remember specifically in a campaign i i was in i had this rock that i had picked up like way early on sure and then later i was gambling you know this is you know in, in, in the game world 
far along in the adventure, I was gambling and I was out of things to put up. And it was a town that was very interested in magical items, so I convinced the guy that this stone had come from a dungeon and, and was magical. Right. And he was interested in it, so I put that up to gamble. Exactly. And so that was just a rock that I, you know, <laughs> a, an imaginary rock that I put in my imaginary bag, but it had like a story arc to it. Yes. Which is, I think, a really incredible thing. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it, it really is creating your own little world. Uh, I would say on the subject of creating worlds and collaboration, it's very easy when you're first starting off to be obsessed with your own character because mm-hmm. you like you're building your first character and you're just like, look at all this cool shit I can do. I can't wait for all the times that I get to go do cool shit. And those those moments arise. You want to take those times, but if you're if you're playing for the first time, please look more to your other players than to yourself because the collaboration is where all the cool shit happens, not from trying to be a star. Yes, yeah. it's it's. Uh you benefit greatly from putting other people into the spotlight absolutely and trying to make them play up their own characters and their own strengths yeah because when everyone's doing that everyone looks great exactly looks great. and there's and then, no drama yeah, you know exactly. the, uh, the i uh you know the thing i like is you know uh, morgan really taught me this uh, he's the one who brought me into dnd where uh it's actually really fun when you fail at something, especially in a spectacular yeah. way. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, um, the, the, the game, the, the dice system, what it does essentially is it's, it's a little machine for creating drama. You know, if you, go to, if you take a games design class, they'll talk about spectator sports are that. There's a lot of mm. sports. Kayaking is not really a spectator sport, right? They have right. competitive kayaking, but it doesn't lend itself very well to that. Whereas spectator sports, you can, you know, like basketball, it's always, you know, no, one team's up, then the other team's up, then the other team's up. Who's got the ball? And things go quick, and there are... It, the game is built to create situations where you have, you know, in, in basketball, like a three-point shot at, after the, you know, with a, one second on the clock right. that could take the game. And that becomes a, drama- a hugely dramatic moment mm-hmm. that is left up to chance and some skill. Right. And so that's what D&D is trying to create as well with the dice. And sometimes if you fail and, you know, the burning building collapses, that's fun too. Yeah, it's even though normally everyone's trying to be these great heroes and, you know, powerful wizards and amazing warriors... Sometimes, you know, like if you if you fail and you accidentally drop somebody that you were supposed to save, all that is is an amazing opportunity to learn about your character and kind of like add that element of conflict to them. Like, do they feel bad that they couldn't save somebody? Do they start to care less about the lives of people that they save? Do they like decide they need to become a pacifist? It's all option. It's all out there. You can do literally anything you want. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. You yeah. can, and you know, people always say, you know, you can do anything in D and D. Right? They say, oh, you can do anything. That's it's, yeah. That's right. sort of a that's a and that's it's true. It's true, and but the uh, all, but that makes it sound a little bit like Gary's mod. So what I like to think of it is, it's not a world where you can do anything just on a whim. It's a world where anything is possible. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Anything. Yes, the phrasing is yeah. important. Yeah. Right. Anything is possible. All Anything's right, um, possible. I think that covers it pretty good. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, All right, yeah. sweet. Let's do it. Let's play. Let's play some D and D.